0: my husband was in denial in the beginning. Like I showed him the pregnancy test and he's like, no way, no way. It, it's not possible. And I'm like, it, it is.
1: Welcome to the happy home birth podcast, your source for positive, natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When you get pregnant on your wedding night and thrown into prenatal decision-making a little sooner than expected, what kind of decisions do you make? Hey there, happy homebirthers, and welcome to episode 222 of the Happy Home birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with my friend and student of the Home birth Collective, Kelly Benner. We'll learn about how Kelly and her husband, Ian, were thrown straight out of wedding prep and straight into baby prep. It was such a joy and an honor to work with Kelly inside of the Home Birth Collective, where we dig so much deeper into preparation than simply looking for the generic coping techniques to get us through labor. So if you're interested in taking a mentorship approach to pregnancy, to home birth, and to motherhood, I would love to have you inside of the Home Birth Collective where we focus on the foundations. We focus on building ourselves up in a way that prepares us for birth and the physiological event that is unfolding, but also for motherhood. It's making birth sacred again and making motherhood sacred again. If that interests you, I'd love to have you join me. The link is in the show notes, and you can also find it on my Instagram. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: I am so thrilled to have you on. As I always say, it is so exciting to have an interview with any mom, but then when I get to speak to someone that I worked with so deeply and intimately inside of the Home Birth Collective, just to be able to be with you again and hear your story and how things unfolded, it is just the deepest honor and the greatest joy. So I am so glad that you're here. Would you mind taking just a moment to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners?
0: Sure. My name is Kelly. As you said, this is my son Towns here that's with me. He was born on November 26th, so he's like two and a half months old or so. Um, Married to my high school sweetheart, Ian, and we live in Pennsylvania, Hellertown. Most people probably aren't familiar with that, but we live in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Um, We've been married for, will be a year on February 26th, we actually conceived this little guy on our wedding night, which is insane. Um, we have two cats, and I think that's all the important info about me.
1: I love it. Yep. <laughs> wedding night babe, <laughs> right, right here.
0: <laughs> yep. Here he is. And he was born exactly nine months to the day. Because we conceived him on February 26th, and he was born on November
1: 26th. That is so awesome. Amazing. Really wild. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk about how all of this unfolded. With this being your first baby, first experience as a newlywed, what was all of this like?
0: Um, I would say my first initial reaction when I found out. I mean, I kind of had a feeling like I was not feeling normal for a couple weeks and I missed my period, which isn't usual for me. I'm pretty like regular. So I sort of had a feeling, but of course you don't know until you take a test. So um, I would say shocked and nervous was my first thing. I mean, I've always wanted to have children. I've always known that I wanted to be a mom. So it's not like, you know, I wasn't excited about it, but it was just like, wow like this is happening right now because we kind of thought like oh we'll you know be married for whatever a small amount of time like we knew we wanted to try soon but maybe six months or whatever um so yeah shocked probably would be my initial reaction but of course we were excited my husband was in denial in the beginning like i showed him the pregnancy test and he's like no way no way it it's not possible and i'm like it it is. It it is. is real. <laughs> it it's real. You can't have the positive. So I think he was probably more nervous than me, but I'd say after a month or so, that turned into excitement. And then we were just kind of looking forward to it and, you know, researching and starting to prepare for the future.
1: Yeah. This is what it is. And here we go.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly.
1: Well, so with this unfolding the way that it was where you were really, you know, you had just finished focusing on becoming married. Had you guys kind of come up with a plan of what it was going to look like in the future when you had children? This is the way we want to do things. This is how we want to go about it. Or was this all new? Like, oh, we got to we got to figure it out now.
0: It was pretty much like we got to figure it out now. We mm-hmm. hadn't spoken. I mean, we, like I said, we knew we wanted to have children, but we didn't discuss like a birth plan or anything of that nature. Um, so that was definitely interesting. And I feel like it's relatively common that a lot of people, at least on your podcast, who have home births share that their husbands were not initially on board. And that was our situation. Um, we actually went on a trip like the day after I found out I had um, it was an all inclusive paid trip. I'm a beach body coach and it was through them. So we go on this trip. And in conversation with one of my friends, I mentioned like wanting to possibly have a home birth because it's something I've been interested in. I didn't really, at that point, hadn't done research. And immediately everybody was like, what? Like, but what if something goes wrong? Like this could happen, that could happen. She had had a scary situation with her second son. So all of this, and my husband is just like kind of, you know, interpreting the situation. And he's like, we're not doing that. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I just kind of like pushed it aside for a little while. And, um, as I continued to do my own research, I would just share things with him, like, um, whatever it might be statistics or what have you just about the safety of it and just what it can do for the mom and the baby and the relationship, like all of it. I just shared little tidbits as time went on to just be like, This is really a natural thing, and he came around full. Like he, at points, he was like more um, solid in the belief of doing it than me, because there were times where I was like, you know, it's you've never done it before, and it can be nerve wracking. But all that to say, he did come around and was fully supportive of doing it. Um, I was seeing an OB. I started out at an OB. I actually was at an OB for a while. I don't remember when I I had both care for a little while, like once I found my midwife. Um, but I wasn't like a hundred percent decided like this is what we're doing until I started asking questions at my OB, like just about, you know, if my water breaks or if this happened. Like I just was like asking questions and observing what their answers were. Like I wanted to know because I had, like I said, started doing my own research and I knew what you know, was safe. And so I wasn't really pleased with the answers that I was getting, like the stuff that I was told. I'm just like, that's not true. Like, I, I know it's not true. And so it was probably around that time. And I honestly don't remember, maybe like 30 we I don't know, 28 weeks, maybe that I decided I'm going to start interviewing midwives to mm-hmm. see if there's somebody around. And I found two in our area. There's not a ton from what I could find. I just started like researching online because I don't know anybody near me that had a home birth. Um, I do have one girlfriend who lives in California that had one. But other than that, I don't know anybody that's had one. So it was kind of like, all right, got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So I found two people. Um, The first one that I spoke to ended up ultimately saying, I don't have like, enough space. Like, she already had taken on too many clients, which is good and respectful. You know, I was happy that she was honest about that. And it didn't really seem like the greatest fit in the conversation. And then the second person that I talked to was Abby, who is who we ended up having as our midwife. And I knew from, like, the first conversation that it was going to be her. Like, we just... I don't know. I feel like we connected well. She was extremely down to earth. She is a Christian as well. So we related on that level. And, you know, our religion is, is very important to us. So um, we had a phone interview and then I started seeing her shortly there. After that, I had my first in-person appointment with her, which was wildly different than my experience at the OB, Um, Not that anything was like a terrible experience at the OB, but it's like you have all these appointments that are like so frequent and you go in and you're there for you wait for however long and then you're in the room for five minutes with the doctor and that's it like and I always I don't know I felt like nervous to ask questions there I'm not really sure why that was but I just didn't really feel like that comfortable and you don't get to know the people. So where I was going to my OB, they make you see all of the doctors because you don't know who's going to be delivering your baby. So I basically never saw the same person twice. So it wasn't like you're building a relationship or getting to know somebody. So we had our first midwife appointment and it was over an hour long and we just hung out and chatted and got to know each other. And it just felt like I was just having a conversation with somebody who was on the same level as me. It wasn't like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but.
1: Like a hierarchy. Like I'm lording over you. It wasn't like that.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it was a lot of her just saying like, what do you like just opening the floor to like make me feel comfortable to be able to like express any concerns or ask any questions that I had. So it was just a very different experience. Um, and I saw my OB and her at the same time for quite a while before I was like, "Okay, this is for sure what we're gonna do." Um, and then I stopped seeing my OB. <laughs> How did that go?
1: Like, did you just stop? Or
0: I, <laughs> I just went on. So we have a portal, like with the the healthcare system that we see. There's a portal, and I went on and I canceled all my future appointments and. Because I was like, this is going to be really awkward. I don't want to call, you know? So I did that. And they actually ended up calling me and they're like, do you need to reschedule or did you find someone else? I forget exactly what they said. And I'm like, no, I don't need to reschedule. Like, I'm good. I have different care now. And that was it. They didn't like harass me or ask me any questions, which I was nervous that they would. Not that it matters. It's not their business. But I was just like, ugh, I don't. You know, I don't like doing things like that, being like, sorry, I'm switching doctors. (laughs) But yeah, they basically just called and asked. And I said, I'm I'm under the care of somebody else now. And that was the end of that. So um, from there, we continued to see the midwife and I kept the home birth um, thing pretty under wraps as far as sharing it with people. Because in the beginning, I, when I was excited and we decided, I shared it with a few people and I was met with sort of the same thing that I said before. Um, Just like, you know, well, what if something goes wrong? Like, it's just like fear. Everyone's initial reaction in my experience was fear. Like, but what if something goes wrong? And I'm like, well, what if something doesn't go wrong? And what if something goes wrong at the hospital? Like anything can happen anywhere. Um, So at that point I was like, okay, we're going to kind of keep this like within the family. And obviously, like I said, a few people had already known, but um, I really didn't tell anybody. And that was uncomfortable for me because I'm not one to like withhold information. And some people directly asked like, where are you delivering? And I told a little white lie. And I said the hospital near us because that's where we would be going if we had a transfer. So I still like feel bad about that. And, you know, anybody who I told, I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I just didn't like I had to to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually learned that from you and our course on boundaries. Like when we went through that, that's when I was like, OK, I really need to work on setting boundaries and doing what's best for me and my husband and the unborn baby, because it's like, and every time I would talk to somebody, it just made me upset. And I felt like I was like fighting to like convince people of something that we were very sure of. Like I never had concerns. Like we were just confident. Like this is what we're meant to do and God's going to protect us and whatever happens happens. Like it's going to turn out the way it's supposed to. So it was pretty much a secret to most people besides our immediate family. Um, And I'm happy that we did that because it just made things easier. And we didn't tell anybody like when I went into labor, like it was just us, me, my husband and the midwife and her two assistants. I didn't even like tell my parents. I told them once he was born, but they were a little nervous as well. And I didn't want them to be. You know, like if I said, okay, when well, my water broke or whatever, that they would be concerned. So that was how we decided to go about it.
1: I always am a big fan of not <laughs> telling anyone when I'm in labor. Just, I don't know. It's, it is. It's like the idea of someone being nervous somewhere else, even that, I don't want that. Like, I just don't want that.
0: Yes. I felt the same way. Like, It got to a point where I was like, I don't, I don't want anyone else to be nervous for me. Like, that's what it came down to with not telling people because I'm like, I'm not nervous. So I don't want anyone else to worry about me. Like, it's just unnecessary. We know we're going to be fine. So yeah, same thing. I just was like, we're not telling anybody. We'll just let people know (laughs) once the baby's here and we didn't know what we were having. So that was a surprise as well.
1: That's amazing. Okay, well so tell me what this what the end of your pregnancy and into your labor was like. So you've stopped seeing your OB, you're strictly midwife care. What was that like and then you can go ahead and lead into your birth story too.
0: Okay. Um I mean, I had a really good pregnancy for the most part. The whole time I felt really good. A little morning sickness in the beginning. Um Or, I should say nauseousness, but by the end, everything was great. I was exercising daily, I was seeing a chiropractor once a week um and I think that that really did wonders for my labor but um I think at like twenty eight or twenty nine weeks, um I saw my midwife's assistant, my midwife was i don't remember sick or something and they had mentioned that they thought that the baby was transverse, which I think I spoke to you about this, but I was very nervous. And, um, at the, I had never, like I said, had any concerns or worries, like the entire pregnancy. I'm like, everything's going to be fine. It's going to go great. But when they mentioned like he, well, they might be transverse. <laughs> um, at that point I felt very concerned and worried. And my husband, this is when he sort of stood in and he's like, it's going to be fine. Like everything's going to be fine. Like he didn't think that the baby was transverse, but I just, I don't know. I, somebody said it. So it was in my head. And so it ended up, it was like over a week before I could see my midwife again, because she, the assistant was like, I'd like you to actually see Abby. Cause she was I think still training. I don't know. Um, just not fully confident in what she had told us. So thankfully we were able to see Abby about a week later and she confirmed that he was not, he was still head down. So that was like, thank God. Um, and from there on out, um, we just sort of waited. I stopped working at I think 39 weeks was my last work week and I was quote unquote late. I think I was right on time, obviously, since he was born exactly nine months. But from the beginning, I thought that my suggested or estimated date was wrong. Like from literally the beginning, I'm like, I think I'm going to go later. So it ended up being 41 and one. Um, and my water broke at eleven fifteen on a Friday night, and I immediately started having contractions, very close together, like three minutes apart. So obviously, this is my first child. I don't know if this is, I mean, normal, not normal, whatever. It's all relative. But um, my husband had gotten in bed and. When my water broke, he wasn't in bed yet. And I went out in the living room and I'm like, I think my water just broke. And he's like, okay. So we ended up both getting back in bed and it wasn't like a huge gush. It was just like a little bit. Like I was laying down and I felt like something felt weird. So I stood up and it was just like a little gush. So I get back in bed and I could still feel like more little gushes coming. Like it was just like over time, little bits were leaking out um but i ended up coming out onto the couch and i didn't tell my husband that i was having the contractions yet cuz i'm like oh i don't know like maybe it's just whatever i just didn't tell him i don't know why and i'm like i want him to get some sleep too so i came out on the couch and i was probably out here for like i don't know a half an hour and i did have a contraction timer and it <laughs> i timed a couple contractions and it said get to the hospital, get to the hospital. And I'm like laughing to myself, like, ha ha, I'm not going to the hospital. So for whatever reason, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just like, okay, you know, these contractions are happening. My midwife had told me to call her when my contractions were five minutes apart, lasting for a minute for an hour. That's kind of like the standard. And I never was there. I immediately was past that. But for whatever reason... I just didn't think that I needed to let her know. Um, So eventually I went back in the room and I was like, I'm having these contractions. Like they're really close together. Um, And we just kind of laid in there until about three o'clock. And it was they were manageable. It was nothing too crazy. Um, I was sort of like sleeping in between them, which is weird because they were, you know, very close together. So it wasn't really much sleep, but it felt like I was sleeping. And around three o'clock, I like jumped out of bed and had to go to the bathroom mm. um, and had diarrhea. And I was like, whoa, like it was like immediate. And then thankfully within enough time to turn around, I was throwing up.
1: Oh So boy. my body
0: was just like emptying like everything out. My husband comes like running in because he heard me puking. He's like, are you okay? And once I was done, I felt fine. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So I went back to and got back in bed. And then I was like, at that point it hit me. And I'm like, I was supposed to tell Abby when the contractions were five minutes apart. And I'm like, they've never been. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to call her. So we give her a call. And I think subconsciously, so she had four baby boys within four days. She had four births in four days and we were the third of those. So I knew that she had these other two boys. And I think I like wanted her to get some sleep subconsciously. Like I was like, maybe that's why it all happened that way because we were fine. We didn't need her. Um, so I call and I tell her and she's asking me questions and she's like, okay, you know, we'll be over. I'll, I'll contact the assistants and we'll be over soon. So. She comes, I don't know. They probably got here around 3.30. At this point, time is like pretty fuzzy for me. Um, but they got there and came in and just, I don't know if they took my blood pressure. I can't remember. I know they checked the fetal heart rate and that was about it. Just asked me some questions like how I was feeling. And then they came out into the living room and just let me labor in my room. Um I was just laying in there in the dark. I think I did have music on, but it was like so low. I don't even think I could hear it. I prepared all so many things and it was such a quick labor. Like I was just in far into labor so quickly that I didn't really use any of the things I had prepared, which is fine. So I had this playlist, which I think I had playing, but again, I couldn't even hear it. I was just in my own world. Um, (laughs) Yeah. My husband came in, like would come in to check on me because he was laying with me. And I, I was, I didn't know how I would be in labor. I did not want anybody touching me. I'm like, get away from me. Mm -hmm. So he sensed that and left. He was just sitting in the living room with the midwives, which was good. Like I wanted to be alone, but I, I wasn't able to like verbalize that. I just knew that. And like, if he would touch me and I would just like, (laughs) like jerk, (laughs) like, get off of me. And so he picked up on that and he left and he would just come in and check on me every so often. Um, and I labored there until about five o'clock in the morning. And I think they, they came in to check on me and I was like, when can I get in the birth tub? Cause we had a birth tub and Ian had already filled that up, which we had to add some hot water cause it started getting cold. But anyway, she's like, you can get in anytime. It's up to you. Like whenever you're ready. So I'm like, okay, I think I want to do that now. So I got into the birth tub. I think it was around five o'clock. And that's when things started getting pretty intense, which is interesting. Cause I know a lot of people say things slow down, but I think I was just like that far into labor that it didn't matter. Yep. So things got pretty intense when I was in there. Like I started getting very vocal um, when I was having a contraction and I was feeling pushy for sure. Um, And throughout this whole thing, I did not get any cervical checks. My midwife doesn't really believe in doing that. So I had no idea how far along I was. And normally they judge that based on just observing you and how you're acting and stuff. And at one point, I don't know when it was, but she was like, you... Have, must have a really high pain tolerance because she wasn't able to like judge any, like how far along I was based on how I was acting. Um, cause I guess when I called her, I'd already like throwing up and all that was probably transition. And I called her and we had a normal phone conversation and she's like, uh, you must have a really high pain tolerance. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I've never gone through something extremely painful to really know.
1: I like so, to think you um, were super prepared. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, she did check, and I don't know the name of it, but you might know. There's a line that forms like on your butt that's like dark, that they can kind of use that as a reference as far as like how dilated you are. So I know she looked for that. She didn't tell me whether she saw it or not. I just know that she looked for it. Um, So I was in there, I would say, for about an hour and a half. And I was sort of, I don't know, didn't really know what was going on. But my husband was, like, in there back and forth, like, just observing and giving me water. And he said to the midwife, like, I don't think she's progressing. Like, I feel like we need to like have her in a different position. Cause I was laying like on either like on my butt. So like my back or like side to side, like I tried flipping over on my knees and I just felt like unsteady and it just, it wasn't comfortable for me. I couldn't do it. So he was like, do you think that she should like move, like do something? So she ended up coming in and um, just said, do you want to try something different? Like it, there was no pressure. Um, she's like, it might help you if you sit on the toilet or like put your foot up on the bathtub. Like if you're able to stand and I was open to it, I was like, sure. I feel like it took forever for it to actually happen. Cause I kept being like after the next contraction and then that would come and you're just like so exhausted that you're trying to just rest, you know? So eventually I did get up and they helped me into the bathroom and, I think I put my foot up on the edge of the tub for like part of a contraction. And I was like, Nope, I can't do this. So I sat down on the toilet. Um, and this was probably, um, I don't know what time it was at, but around seven, maybe. I wasn't in the bathroom for all that long. So once I sat down on the toilet, things got very real and intense. Um, at that point, I actually wanted my husband next to me because I was squeezing the crap out of his hand. That was like the first time that I wanted him near me. Um, So I was just sitting there and like I said, squeezing his hand and the toilet paper roll with my other hand. Um, And at some point, my midwife was like um, concerned that I hadn't eaten because it was, you know, the next day at that point and I had thrown up. So she was like, do you think that you can eat something? Like, is there anything that Ian can get for you? And I was like, I'm not going to eat. I didn't say that to her, but I was thought to myself, like, there's no way I'm eating right now. Um, but I'm like, there's grapes in the fridge. So he brings he leaves to go get the grapes. And while he was gone, she was like, do you want to reach down and and feel, see if you can feel anything? And I'm like, OK, sure. So I reached down and I literally I didn't it was soft. So I didn't really know that it was his head, but I could literally feel his head. And it was like maybe an inch. Like it was, it was right there. And she's like, that's his head. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay. So we're almost there. So Ian comes back in with the grapes. I did not eat any of them. It was probably like, honestly, two minutes later that he was born. Um, so my midwife had been sitting in front of me, like, our shower's, like, directly in front of the toilet. So she was sitting on the edge of the tub just in front of me. And I remember her saying, like, okay, we need to switch places. So – because my husband was going to catch the baby. So she then got next to me, and my husband was in front of me. And she was like, you need to stand up. So I stood up, and his head came out on one contraction. And then (laughs) the next one – His body did come out, but and I didn't know any of this even happened, but I had a shoulder dystocia, um, so his arms were back, kind of like preventing him from easily slipping out. So she ended up, I guess, just like on the one side. She sort of like reached in and released his shoulder, and he came right out. To me, it felt like he shot out, like I said to my husband later. I'm like, did he like fly out? He's like, no he just like fell with gravity. And I'm like, well, felt to me like he shot out, (laughs) but that was like the most relieving thing ever. Um, and I don't remember feeling like the ring of fire per se. I just remember after I birthed the head and he was like halfway out that I was like, Oh my gosh, like there was so much pressure. It was so uncomfortable. So once he came all the way out, it was like a huge relief. Um, And his cord was really short. I could barely, like, get him up onto my chest, which I don't know what causes that or what doesn't, but it was short. So I sort of was holding him on my chest, but I couldn't really get him, like, all the way up on my chest. Um, And shortly after that, we went back into our room, and that's where I birthed the placenta in our bed. And that was probably, I'd say, about an hour that that took give or take. Um, and I did have him laying on my chest, but he couldn't, as, like, I was birthing it, he slowly could, like, get closer. Like, he was trying. Like, he did do um, the breast crawl and and came up once he, like, had enough leadway on, on the umbilical cord. <laughs> enough cord. Um, I know. I'm like, poor kid, he was, like, trying to get up there and he couldn't, re- couldn't reach. But, yeah, so... I birthed the placenta and I did lose a decent amount of blood. Um, Like my midwife said, above average. I don't know how much blood I lost. It's not like they were measuring, but just based on her experience, she said it was a little more than average, which ended up being fine. I was um, lightheaded. Like they asked if I wanted to take a shower. They were going to help me shower And when I went to, they're like, just, you know, take it easy, be slow. And I like sat up and I'm like, no way I can't get up. Like I started seeing stars and I was really dizzy. So they're like, you know, we have time, just lay back down. So I ended up laying down again and we just relaxed in there for probably another hour or so. Um, He did end up latching I don't know how much he really ate, but he lashed and that was all that mattered. So that was just me and my husband. And I missed the part that we had a boy. But um, yes, when he came out, my husband got to obviously see him first and see that it was a boy. So after like an hour of just resting, they came back in and they were like, if you want to try and take a shower, we can do that. Or we'll just head out, like whatever you're comfortable with. So they were totally cool, like with hanging out, they were here like, most of the day into like late afternoon. Um, so I was able to actually get a shower. It was a very slow process to get to the bathroom, like sitting up and then standing at the bed and then like taking a couple steps. But I did get in there. Um, they were giving me water and an electrolyte supplement because um, I was like shaky. So ended up getting a shower, which felt so amazing. <laughs> And during that time, my husband was able to do some skin skin with town. So he laid on him that whole time. We have some really precious pictures from that. Um, Our midwife and the assistants were wonderful with taking pictures. And they shared all of that with us, which was awesome. Because we didn't, I had thought about getting a photographer, but I was like, I just don't want extra people in my birth space because I don't know how I'm going to birth. So that was really nice that they were able to capture a lot of the precious moments. So yeah, he was born at 725. So my labor was a little over eight hours, um, which I think is pretty good for a first time. I was happy with that.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's such a great amount of time where it's not so fast that it's like, what just happened to me? But it's also not so long where it's like, I am so exhausted. Not that you're not exhausted. Anybody who goes through labor is exhausted, but you know, just the link.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about time during it. Like, that was Mm -hmm. never like, oh my gosh, this is so long. Like, it it never even crossed my mind. I had no idea. Like I said, even a sense of time, really myself, Mm -hmm. it was just like, you're in a, in a whole other world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very interesting to look back on it. Like it just, it's almost like an out of body experience, like everything that I went through. And I just, I had my eyes closed, I'd say 95% of the time. Like I really was just like me and my baby and God. Like I was not interacting with anybody else. Um, I had set up like twinkle lights and all these affirmations and verses and all this scripture in our nursery. I didn't look at it once, but I said to my husband, I read all the cards before, so they were in my brain. (laughs) But yeah, I couldn't even like open my eyes to do that, but I knew that they were there. So that I'm like, that still helped me get through. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, that's our birth story.
1: Wow. Yeah. How do you feel on the other side after, you know, making this decision to give birth at home, going through with it? You are now a mother of a three and a half month old. Half. <laughs> How are you feeling?
0: I feel good now. It was definitely um an adjustment, of course. I mean, I became a mother. I wasn't a mom before, so it's a whole transformation of life. Um, we had lots of latching issues and that made for, you know, tough time for me and both and for Towns just because he was struggling to eat. Um, and he did, he was eating enough. Like he gained, I don't think he ever lost weight. He gained really well, but it just, he would nurse for a long time and he had to like try really hard. Like he got like little blisters on his lips. Like it was just Tough and I was, <laughs> my nipples were busted open, bleeding. It was really, really, really hard. Um, but I am very determined and I knew that I wanted to breastfeed like no matter what, if I was able to. So I just continued to stick with it through all of the pain. Um, we actually ended up getting a tongue and lip tie release to help him, with breastfeeding. And we're doing much better now. Um I think it just, it took a lot of time and he's thriving now and mm-hmm. smiley and it, it just makes it all worth it. I mean, it's of course all worth it always. Like I'll treasure mm-hmm. all of the moments, but once he started smiling and seeming happier, like that just, it was such a like weight lifted off my chest because for so long, you just feel helpless. Like you're, you know, you are literally keeping this baby alive and he was so gassy because he couldn't latch. Well, he was taking in air. Like he just was like really miserable most of the time. And that breaks your heart as a mom. you're like, what, <laughs> I don't know how to help you. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was definitely tough emotionally and physically as well. Um, I would say, I don't think I had or have postpartum depression, but definitely dealt with the insane postpartum hormones. There were many days that I, or moments where I was just angry or sad for like no reason. Um, And I tried to share a lot about that with people around me just because I feel like nobody talks about it and it's normal and it should be normalized because it feels better to talk about it. And, you know, you don't feel so alone because you can actually communicate with somebody. And there, I had so many people reach out to me, like on social media, when I shared that I was experiencing these things, like, and they're like, me too, me too, me too. But I would have never known that. And I would have never been able to have those conversations. So I think it's important to just be honest. And I mean, it depends who you're comfortable sharing those things with. It might just be your close circle, but um, yes, definitely experienced that. I'm happy to report that I'm feeling much better. Um, I was cleared to start exercising at six weeks and I think I didn't start until like seven weeks, but that honestly was a godsend. I've always been super active and I work out for my mental health and that really, I think played a huge role in me starting to feel better. And of course he was feeling better, but just being able to have that movement and have that um, endorphin release was very, very important for me and for my relationship with my husband because that was hard too. I mean, he's experiencing all of these new things as well and feeling somewhat helpless because, you know, he can't even feed him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing everything that he could. But I know it was hard for all, very hard for all of us emotionally. So, um, I'm glad that I am feeling better and we're all doing so much better. And I just can't believe how fast time's going. I can't believe he's already two and a half weeks or weeks, two and a half months old and growing like a weed. And yeah, we're doing so well.
1: Wow. Yeah. And I think you bring up such a great point, Kelly, this idea of, you know, it's kind of like how the mainstream medical really pathologizes birth. Well, the same thing can be said in a lot of ways about postpartum, where we're constantly getting a diagnosis of something. Not to say that those things aren't real, not to say that, I mean, listen, I have struggled with a lot of those things myself. I know that they're real. But also, there is the fact that we're transitioning from maiden to mother. This is a huge transition. This this time period of matrescence. And so if we can be open with like, hey, here's what's going on. This is what this is like for me. How much more powerful is that? How much more hope giving and life giving is that to others who are experiencing it too? Like, yes, you're going to have a big transition. Of course, we're, we're a new person. We're caterpillar to butterfly here, baby. Like it's going to be, it's going to be exactly. a big transition.
0: Exactly. So I, yeah. well.
1: I appreciate that. I so appreciate you sharing your experience. Um, and I don't know, just providing so much comfort and hope and also just like a beautiful sense of the reality of this experience. So it's It's been such a joy to have you.
0: Thank you so much. Yes, this was really nice. And this is the first time I really shared my story. So I'm excited to be able to do that. And I'm just going to send everybody the link to the podcast. Like, hey, go listen to this. So I don't have to. This will be my story, my coming out story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: All the people that
0: were like, I thought she was going to have
1: her baby in the hospital. Like, oh, now see, let me let me just send you the link. This is this is what happened. Yeah,
0: a lot of people still don't know that I even even that I had a home birth because I wasn't, you know, really publicly talking about it. But
1: here you are now.
0: Yes, I'm ready to talk about it. And I hope that it can, I don't know, spike some interest in pregnant women to do their research and just make an educated decision based on their own research, not what mainstream tells you, you quote unquote, have to do.
1: I love it. I love it. Oh, Kelly, it was such a joy to get to connect with you again and see your face and see precious towns, who I have to say was so chill this whole time he hasn't yes. made a <laughs> so good. I love it. it was so, so great to hear your story. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: How sweet was Kelly's experience. As we head into today's episode roundup, a few thoughts come to mind. Number one, sometimes our spouse is not going to be immediately on board. I always love to remind mothers that this is typically coming from a place of love, concern, and protection, not just a strong desire to not support you in what you want. So what can we do? We can lovingly educate our spouses. Share with them what you're learning. Bring them alongside you. Invite them to learn with you. This facilitates bonding and encourages you to work together as a team. Number two, variations of birth don't have to be a big, dramatic, scary event. Kelly and her baby experienced a shoulder dystocia, but this was not a traumatic experience. In fact, her midwife was able to quickly free baby and Kelly was still left with the feeling that he shot right out. Sometimes the biggest what-ifs happen, and they still don't cause any issues. And finally, the transformation from maiden to mother is huge. This is caterpillar to butterfly stuff, and there are growing pains, just like there are in puberty. If we can walk into this experience supported and with an understanding of what's happening, we can be gentle with ourselves and recognize that we're upgrading I mean, how much nicer to have wings and drink nectar than to slowly amble around eating leaves? But the transition is still very real. When we can acknowledge this and be supported by our spouse, our family and friends, we end up with a strong, confident mother, even if the transition is still hard. Okay, my friends, that is all that I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at
0: Happy Home Birth Podcast.